Hello, my friends. Michael Youssef here, and I just wanted to thank you for connecting with Leading the Way. Our entire team is wholly committed to passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth of God's Word, and it cannot be done without you. Learn more about what God has charged us to do around the world by clicking around ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. The family in America is under a relentless attack. I know some of the parents that I talk to are overwhelmed at the bombardment that we are receiving from every corner. Literally, there is a war that is waged upon our children's minds and heart and spirit and soul from the media, from government policies, uh, from schools, and from the culture at large. And that is why I want to speak to you about the importance that the Bible places on family and on children. And if you turn with me, please, to Psalm 127, you're going to notice that verse 3 says, children are a heritage from the Lord. In fact, this is only one of two Psalms that, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was written by King Solomon, the son of King David, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs. And so he says here, children are heritage of the Lord. And I could not help but think of the various stages in which my wife and I were parenting our kids. And I thought, you know, wonder those of you young moms and dads, when you are knee-deep in, in diapers, <laughs> you wonder, children are what? And uh, those of you who have new drivers, uh, just started when you're staying up late, and I've done a many times when I'm staying up late until I hear the car pulls in the driveway. You will say, children are what? Uh, and I'm sure that when you get frustrated with the school problems and, and the relentless financial pressures and all of the difficulties that we face, and I'm sure that at these and many times you must have wondered <laughs> What does the Bible exactly mean by children are heritage from the Lord? The statistics that I read now, there's a vast number of couples who marry never want to have children because they think it's going to get in the way of their lifestyle. And that number is on the increase nationwide. But when you understand that our children are really not ours, but they are God's children, and He entrusts them to us as parents to bring them up for Him, then you will be uplifted to know that children are heritage from the Lord, and they are a reward from Him. When you realize that God entrusts you to be a steward of the children, and He's the one who's in control, that is going to give you comfort. You know, God entrusts us with many things in life. He entrusts us with some resources to manage for Him. We don't own anything. He owns everything. We are managers. He entrusts us with His reputation. Then you realize what it means for God to entrust parents with children, His children, to bring them up for Him. The burden of parenting can only be eased when you understand 
that you as parents and grandparents are mere stewards, not owners of the children. The deep responsibilities that parents feel and can turn into joy when you realize that our children belong to God, not to us. Our worry and our anxiety (laughs) will ease when you realize that we have a majority partner in this business of parenting. Our fretting over our children and the future of our children and grandchildren will become unnecessary when you realize that God owns them and we don't. And that is why Solomon, before he can come to verse 3 and say, children are heritage of the Lord and a reward from His hand, before he could do that, he goes in verses 1 and 2 of that psalm, Psalm 127, and says that God is the one who does the heavy lifting in the business of parenting, that God is the one who takes the lion's share of responsibility in parenting, that God is the one who is the majority shareholder in our parenting business. And that should really comfort us. And that is why the psalmist begins this psalm by saying that it is useless if you try to bring up your kids in your own strength. Useless is a favorite word of Solomon. (laughs) He used it a lot. He used it in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, useless, everything is useless. You know it as vanity, but that's the same word. Vanity, all is vanity, he said. And what Psalm 127 boils down to this, listen carefully, please. You can work as hard as you could. Uh, You could provide as much for your children as you could. You can give them all of the cell phones and all of the texting implements and equipments and that you could. Kids don't talk to each other anymore. They text each other. <laughs> uh, you can send them to the best schools that you can afford. But if God is not at the center of your home, all these things will count to nothing. All of these things will ultimately be useless. All of these things is like chasing after the wind. And I was thinking about chasing after the wind, and I remember reading a story years ago from the Windy City, Chicago. It was in the Chicago Tribune about a man who was walking along, and then he decided that he's going to take a shortcut across the tri-state freeway. And he got in the middle of the freeway when his hat blew off. And as he reached back to his hat, he was struck by an oncoming traffic and killed him instantly. And the last sentence in that story, in that article, in the Chicago Tribune, read as follows. It is amazing how you can lose everything chasing nothing. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself the question, what am I chasing in life? Have you ever stopped and asked yourself, what price am I paying for that chase? And Solomon is saying that without God's power, without God's strength, without God's blessings, you could be chasing after nothing, that you could work as hard as you could and you come up empty. You can leave your children some of the greatest financial inheritance that there is, uh, but if they have not inherited the most important thing, that material inheritance can bring them pain and not joy. Now, there's nothing wrong with inheritance. Don't misunderstand me. The Bible said in Proverbs that it is good to leave your children an inheritance. 
But leaving them material inheritance without a spiritual inheritance will be their ruin. And the Bible is clear. The Bible said children are heritage from the Lord. They are, next to your salvation, the most valuable thing that you can have. You have inherited them. It is in God's will and testimony that you would have those children. And that is why next to your salvation, they are the most important thing that your heavenly Father can entrust you more than anything else. And the problem is in the West, we tend to compartmentalize everything. We separate work from home, and we separate spiritual from what we call the temporal. We, we separate God from business. Uh, we take pride in separating God from country, and we call it separation of church and state, which is absolutely unconstitutional. And it shows you how when you can tell a lie so often, it becomes believed as the truth. And that's what people are trying to tell us now. Be that as it may, the Bible is so clear. The Bible knows no separation in the life of a believer. And the life of a believer should be totally integrated, not fragmented. A life of a believer should be one unit, not compartmentalized. And the Bible believers knows of no division. So if you ask him, what is a house for? For the family, of course. What is the policeman and the securities and all the things that we have as a country? What's it for? To protect the family, of course. And the Bible makes it abundantly clear that the family is the most important element of society, that family is the backbone of any society. Undermine the family and you undermine society. Weaken the family and you would weaken society. Disintegrate the family and you disintegrate society. Redefine what a family is and you will end up with a shell of a society. Destroy the family and you will destroy society. That's the bottom line. And we have forces that have worked in the dark in the past. Now they're coming out in the open. And they have one purpose in mind, destroy the family, redefine marriage, redefine family, redefine parenting, redefine parents. Why? Because they ultimately want to destroy Western civilization. How? Because they know that society can be destroyed from within much faster than have an enemy come and fire shots from the outside. And the psalmist is saying something here of uttermost importance. He is saying that the basic family unit, unless it has God at its very center, will be adrift. Unless God is at the center of a family, that family is unsafe and not secure. Unless every decision is made with God's will in mind and God's will being sought first, unless every plan that is made in a family for God's glory as the foremost, unless every move is bathed with prayer, then that family is out of God's protective covering shield. But let me put it positively, that when God is at the center of a family, God grows that family, God blesses that family, God guides that family, and God protects that family. Let's look at those four promises together. When God is at the center, He grows the family. 
Solomon is saying to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that when God builds a house, the family that lives in that house is going to grow in wisdom, is going to grow in maturity, is going to grow in strength, is going to grow in influence, is going to grow in peace, is going to grow because the presence of God is there. And when the presence of God is in a family, God fills the house, God fills the dwellers, God fills the minds and the hearts and the spirits and the souls of His presence with His Holy Spirit. The problem, of course, that with these godless policies of today, they think that family is their idea. It is not. Family is God's idea. They're trying to mess it up. Listen to me. As a father who's conscious of his own failures and mistakes, but I can truthfully tell you that it would have been impossible for my wife and I to have brought up our family without utter, complete, and literally helpless dependence upon our Heavenly Father. I remember times when I went to the Lord literally in utter helplessness. I said, Lord, I can't do it without you. When God is at the center, He grows the family. Secondly, when God is at the center, He blesses that family. Praying only in times of crisis will make children grow up to believe that you can only go to God when you want something. And Solomon is saying that when family's foundation is built upon prayer and praise, when the prayer life of a family is not a rarity, when a prayer life in a family is not an occasional thing that is done as need basis, God continuously blesses that family. He's going to bless that family. You don't even have to ask for His blessings. He's just going to do it. Now, We live in an instant society. We want everything fast. We want everything yesterday. Everything must happen immediately. But that's not how God thinks. You have to understand that the blessing of God often takes time because family growth takes time. And sometimes we feel that God is not blessing us, but He does. He blesses the God-centered family. Think of Abraham when God said to him that your descendants will be as the stars in the sky. He didn't have one kid. What are you talking about, God? (laughs) I don't have one child. Are you telling me that my descendants? Yes. And God kept His promise to Abraham. God always keeps His promises. That is how God blesses, and we look back and we see the Scripture said that all those who are in Christ Jesus are the descendants of Abraham, spiritually speaking. Look at the numbers of believers around the world. God grows the God-centered family. God blesses the God-centered family. Thirdly, God guides the God-centered family. When children see their parents asking God for guidance in every area of life, not just in the big things, in every area. of They will grow up seeking to receive guidance from the Lord, from His hand. When children see their parents examining the Scripture, looking for direction in life, they will too grow up examining the Scripture, looking for direction in life. When parents 
value the leadership of the Lord in their life. The kids will grow up valuing the leadership of the Lord in their life. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. There's an incredible contrast here between verses 1 and 2 on the one hand and verses 3 to 5 on the other. And this contrast is between a frantic, self-absorbed, self-sufficient work which comes out empty over against a quiet confidence in the Lord's guidance in the long run. In fact, this contrast between verses 1 and 2 on the one hand and verses 3 to 5 on the other hand is so powerful. Unless God builds the house, unless God guards the city, oh, But what results? He gives it to you right there. The family is going to have victory over their enemies. Satan may try, but he ain't going to succeed. Society and the world at large will try, but they'll fail. That's what he's saying. Now, I know probably somebody here saying, you know, Michael, I did not grow up in a Christian family. I don't have a role model in my father or my mother as, as godly people. I, you know, I'm the only one or the first one to come to the Lord in my family, and I, I just haven't seen that happen. But let me give you an encouraging word today. All you need to do is model your heavenly Father parenting, and you will do all right. You'll do great. Model the parenting of our Heavenly Father. And if you do that with your children, they will be victorious over their enemies. How do you model the Heavenly Father? Well, look at how He deals with us, His children. In Genesis 28, 15, our Father in heaven said, I am with you, and that builds confidence. In Isaiah 51, 12, our Father said, I will be with you. And that gives us assurance. In Deuteronomy 20, verse 4, our Father said, I will give you victory. And that gives us security. In Psalm 149, verse 4, our heavenly daddy said, I am pleased with you. And that gives us peace and acceptance. In 1 John 3, 1, our heavenly Father said, I love you. And that should give us joy unspeakable. In Jeremiah 31, 34, our heavenly daddy said, I will forgive you. And that should give us power and strength in the times of difficulties. In Psalm 34, verse 15, our heavenly father said, I will listen to you. I tell you, I learned the hard way. And let me tell you, dads who have daughters, they don't want answers to their problems. Did you get that? Let me repeat it. They don't want answers to their problems. They want you to listen. Man, every time they come with a problem, I mean, I got all the answers. You do this and you do this and this. Oh, finally, when I learned the hard way, (laughs) God not only grows the Christ-centered family, blesses the God-centered family, guides the God-centered family. The psalmist said that he protects the God-centered family. Technology is wonderful, and I thank God for technology, but the problem is that technology also brings on a whole lot of new weapons for the enemies to use against our children. There was a time when we trusted the school teachers to teach our kids what we teach them at home and to confirm and affirm what we teach them. And I thank God for the godly teachers who are really working under difficult circumstances and are being persecuted. 
but there are so many teachers going into teaching with a godless agenda in mind. There are so many teachers are going into teaching with the idea to enforce and to force that godless agenda upon the minds of the young. Even in what used to be Christian schools are now glorifying immorality as simple choice. Unless God guards the city, unless God protects our children, unless God defends our family, unless God shelters our families, it is in vain all of our effort. So what does that mean to the beleaguered parents of today? Setting the example, being a role model, and staying on the knees of prayer on behalf of your children. Remaining on the knees of prayer on their behalf, believing that God and God alone is the one who grows, blesses, guides, and protects the family. When you teach your children the protective shelter of the Lord and how to stay under that protective shelter, and at the same time they watch you staying under that protective shelter will do far greater than you can even imagine. I read some time ago something that stuck with me so strongly about how a mother hen, when she sees a hawk circling in the sky overhead, she instinctively gives a warning sound, and immediately the baby chicks come running and hiding beneath her wings. Then, when she sees a menacing storm, clouds and fill the sky, rolling thunders and jagged lightning, she quickly issues a certain sound that beckons her brood to herself where they find protection from the element. And as nighttime approaches and the shadows lengthen, she gives a quick call and they gather for rest. And I thought about how one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Now, beloved, listen to me. He's not talking about occasionally as need basis when you're in trouble. He's talking about these who permanently dwell in the shelter of the Most High. They will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Today, you can make your family to be a God-centered family. Let me tell you something. If I did not believe with all my heart that God is a God of new beginnings that is never, 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 never too late with God, I give up preaching. It's never too late. It doesn't matter where you are. Whether you're parents or grandparents, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where situation you're in. You can start today. Say, God, I want to be a God-centered family. We want to be a God-centered family because only God grows, blesses, guides, and protects the God-centered family. Father, it is impossible for me to comprehend the incredible grace of God. It is impossible on this side of heaven to conceive the incredible love you have for us and for our families and how you long to gather us under your wings. We're running around busy making a living and doing things for ourselves and come out empty. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit 
remind us afresh that you are longing and you are waiting and your arms are open and you welcome us back. We praise you. We bless you. And we thank you for who you are and what you have done and what you want to do in Jesus' name.